there, everybody. Welcome back to Hail Yes, a Detroit Free Press podcast about University of Michigan athletics. I'm Tony Garcia, Michigan writer for the Free. Hopefully, no more knocking. Just uh, had to turn away. Uh, not room service. What is it? Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Uh, when they uh, were trying trying to come change the towels uh, here in Indianapolis, not at the same hotel, but just across the convention center from uh, my partner, my buddy. Uh, my colleague, our Big Ten insider, Reiner Sabin. Uh, Reiner, hopefully you have your Do Not Disturb sign up, unlike I. Uh, I don't, but I already have my uh, housekeeping done, so I don't have to worry about that. They were timely. They were timely oh, in your, sure. in your yeah, building. Not. You thought yeah. I was high and mighty, and I, th- I think you are in, in the nicer place. Um, but it's okay. So 12.55 p.m. currently, uh, Wednesday, February 28th. And uh, we're going to call it day one from the combine. Coaches have been here. GMs have been here. You have been here, Reiner. You were here really all day yesterday, Tuesday. So I should let you sort of lay the groundwork. However, um, it has been 88 days since we all were here, right, for the Big Ten Championship, 87 days since Michigan found out who it was playing in the college football playoff. I think that's where we'll start today. That was kind of the... What was in the air this morning uh, felt like home is what they were saying, Reiner. Yeah, I mean, obviously having 18 players uh, off the roster, I mean, circulating in Indianapolis. I don't know if everybody's all here yet, um, uh, given the fact that the offensive linemen uh, aren't scheduled to work out until the very end. So that's six guys right there. But, you know, again, it's it's uh, it's going to be – uh, quite a contingent here. I mean, obviously record setting for any school to have that many players there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it feels probably like a reunion of sorts for them, uh, although it hasn't been much time since they won the championship on January 8th. Right. It's been about four to five weeks. Well, since then, I guess, five or six weeks. Mm-hmm. Look at this. You hear you hear these sounds now. Let's Let's leave this in here. Now my hotel phone is ringing. Let's see what this is. Hello? This is. No. It was not. No. So this is, this is not going to be able to stay in the pod. So crisis averted had to had to throw that phone call on mute real quick. There was little hotel room snafu, uh, but we're all good. It's all it's all squared away. Uh, you would think, Reiner, with how often we've been in Indianapolis, they would just know by now that that we're coming back, that we're staying for a long time. And that's really what, what we were just uh, talk talking about. Three straight Big Ten championships. Me, the media days have been here. Now the combine. This is trip. And when they play in Bloomington, when they played at IU last year, it can be kind of expensive to stay in Bloomington. So I stay in Indy. So this is trip number seven, I believe, to to Indianapolis in the last couple of years. Just so it's not just the players. I mean, the old joke about Michigan before 2021 is that they had the GPS to Indianapolis or they knew how to get there because they hadn't made it to the uh, Big Ten title game uh, for all those years. And so uh, it's weird looking back on, you know, where they were you know, at 2021 when at Big Ten Media Day when Jim Harbaugh said uh, regarding Ohio State they were going to try to do it and 
or die trying uh, beat them. And, uh, you know, now they've got the uh, upper hand in the rivalry. And I think that's the narrative. I mean, you'll probably hear that over the course of the week uh, with the Ohio State players. I mean, I'm sure they'll be asked about, uh, you know, some, some of them didn't ever get any gold pants. So, uh, you know, if they were juniors uh, entering the draft early, uh, you know, they're they're not going to have a gold, any gold pants. Like, a, um, so it's a pretty pretty strange thing to think about when you think about Indianapolis and as it relates to Michigan. It it did switch fast. the The GPS has been stuck in in Indianapolis. Uh, although you uh, spoke to some players today, and we can maybe get into that later. And I, I know you'll write about it. Uh, just sort of asking how Michigan can keep this on track, right? How they can continue to to make Indianapolis just another stop uh, in the in their schedule. And there are tons of players, as we just talked about, who are coming down here or already down this week. Yet one of the discussions is how many of them are top tier guys, right? And so I think that's one of the three kind of major talking points uh, of this week that, that we'll sort of look at today. Um, of course, the, the top guy is J.J. McCarthy. We will get to him. But, uh, but another discussion is, Reiner, are there other top prospects uh, in this team? And who are they? I'll list a few names potentially we spoke to a couple of them this morning. I think if you're looking at top two round guys, there's really five who, who Michigan could have JJ for sure. Then some combination of junior Colson, Roman Wilson, Chris Jenkins, and Mikey Sainter still. Do you think any or all of them go in that first second round sort of range? I think, you know, maybe a couple of them, uh, Junior Colson, maybe Roman Wilson. I, I, I'm still a little bit dubious about San Rastel just because of his, his size, and I don't know how he's going to test out. Um, and Chris Jenkins, that, the productivity just wasn't there necessarily, and he, he might slip to the third. Um, I could see that potentially being the up, you know, a thing, especially because he's really hasn't distinguished himself as a pass rusher per se. And that's a lot what they're looking for with defensive tackles at the NFL level now. I mean, Chris Jones being a really good example. I mean, even McNeil and with the Lions, I mean, you know, showed some some ability in that, you know, capacity um, too. Uh, and those are – and Quinton Williams is a good example. Uh, you know, I covered him in Alabama, and he was uh, uh, a person that uh, – really drove up his draft stock just because of his pass rushing ability. Um, you know, it's obviously much easier to get to the quarterback from that position, uh, more of a direct line than say looping around. And that's where the game is kind of going, which is why you're getting guards getting paid a lot more than they used to be uh, comparatively to the, the tackle positions. Cause you're starting to see more of these interior pass rushers. So that's where I think Chris Jenkins has to really, you know, prove himself, I guess. And I don't know if he's going to be able to do that in the pre-draft process because uh, there's not really an ability to kind of show that you can rush the quarterback during uh, well, you, well, you you think and you kind of figure he'll, he'll interview well, right? He's, he's, good, yeah. he's a good speaker, very likable person, smart young man. Um, however, it, it's going to be – and each year is always an interesting exercise in – 
production versus potential, right? Uh, and and I think those two guys who you just said are such going to be such a great specific exercise within the greater exercise, right? Like you have a guy like Mikey Sainer still uh, who will come in obviously undersized, probably somewhere 5'10", 5'11", 180 pounds-ish. Maybe he put on a little more weight. Uh, maybe he can get some cardboard under his socks, uh, but he's he, he's a small dude. Uh, but when he was on the field, nothing but production. Uh, I would say the best nickel in in the nation this year. Uh, just just elite elite. Uh, I mean, tackler in space, ball skills. Uh, just I mean, to to be able to cover slot receivers and still like hang with guys who are bigger than him on on, on the outside. Just tremendous. But then you got Chris Jenkins, who I can tell you. They're, they're testing tomorrow, Thursday. People will be drooling over his numbers. Book it. Yeah, you may, that is a certainty, right? And so there are always those guys who are re- who are really good uh, physical specimens. And, and Jenkins, I mean, it's why he was on the athletics top 10 freaks list. He is that. Um, so can that help him offset what was a year of, I mean, to be frank, not the production he, he anticipated. He had 36 tackles, I believe, but just four for loss, only two sacks. And to your point, that's not that's not going to get it done. But just quickly to interject this greater thought from today, and it's a story I'm working on uh, for, for this afternoon, just about the defensive line uh, across the board. Uh, you cannot just I mean, there's a line that goes women lie, men lie, numbers don't lie. Well, maybe these numbers do lie, right? Because Michigan had so many guys that it rotated with the, with the rally group there was not the opportunity to sort of rack up those same stats so if they were i mean a lot of these guys weren't playing in the fourth quarter to what penn state uh and so with the, with the depth with the size of the leads uh with mi- just just so many factors led to to those numbers now i now there were more opportunities for jenkins to have bigger numbers but just Something else to keep in mind, and and they said the, the, those like guys don't worry about that impacting them because they said, as Jalen Harrell told me, he said like NFL guys watch film; they can turn on the tape. And sure, I, I would say also, but the counter argument to that is that I mean, are these guys a product of the fact that they were playing on a really good defense and were surrounded by really good players? And then the other counter argument would be that they should have been able to tee off on guys to get a bunch of sacks, considering that. They were up big on a lot of these teams so that these other teams were in passing situations constantly. Yeah, uh, but you saw you saw just like me. I mean, teams like Minnesota and Michigan State and Indiana. Like, I mean, I mean, just throwing bubble screen. Like, you cannot sack them. Like, they will yeah, not let you get to the quarterback, true. right? Like, they did. There was a lot of that this year. True, and then that, that was that was the game plan against them. And so, I mean, like uh, the question is, you know, again, how are they going to evaluate these guys? Um, you know, based on the fact of this, all this other information. And that's why, I mean, football is a lot different than baseball and evaluation. Like you can't really use analytics as much. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's tough because I mean, the numbers are so much affected by everybody else on the field. And so, uh, and there's a lot of different, you can't isolate situations in the same way you can with baseball and even basketball. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think it was, uh, it was uh, John Lynch, the general manager, who uh, who said uh, there were what what was the quote some blue chip prospects yeah. from Michigan from Michigan in in, in this in in their contingent, yeah. uh, but but I don't but other than JJ and 
well, I guess we'll get to him in just a minute. It doesn't feel like, I mean, even he certainly is not surefire, surefire, but it doesn't feel like there's a guy, I mean, there's no Aiden Hutchinson, right? Even, even though uh, he didn't have the career in Ann Arbor, many would have liked Rashawn Gary. People felt pretty strongly like, all right, he's going to, he'll, he'll develop and he'll be great. Uh, I, I don't know if you were putting your money on, on one guy, Reiner to be a cornerstone, one of the cornerstones, like, Big good second contract guy. Who, who who would that be? I mean, probably probably Colson or I mean San Rosal. I think I'll get us. I think I'll just be in the league for a long time just because of his his savvy and being around the ball. And he probably could be used on special teams. Also, you can see Michael Barrett maybe being hanging around quite a bit on special teams uh, too. I mean, being like a Matthew Slater type player. I mean, I. It's hard to tell. I mean, like, uh, you know, I mean, McCarthy, I mean, I would think he would probably be good enough to stick around for <laughs> a second contract. But, yeah, I would probably go with Colson as probably being the guy that uh, I could see just, you know, playing. Because, I mean, again, he's he's played through injuries, too. Uh, and so there's a there's the durability factor that he can seem to withstand pain. And so that's that's not really a – issue with him and so uh i can definitely see that <laughs> right and the, and then i'd say health permitting uh zach zinter would be yeah, would be a, would be a, 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 another can, another candidate i even wonder how someone i just don't know athletic like it's a weird it's weird to use the word athletically like carson barnhart someone who is so versatile i just wonder if he might be able to if you can just find somewhere on the line with just how much he moves if, or, or Trent a Jones, uh, even though they're not these, like these guys and who can just not, I'm not saying be a cornerstone, but just mission. Like when you look how far there are, there are 12 guys at least who could, who could sign a second contract uh, mm-hmm. in, in the NFL and, and wouldn't, and would not be surprising uh, at least to me. But, but the one everybody wants to hear about uh, is, uh, is JJ McCarthy. Um, he, and he kind of feels like the lightning rod of the NFL combine to me, Reiner. Uh, just he's the one who's per- he is the quarterback who's performing. And uh, as our producer who uh, put in our show notes, Andrew Burkle, the wonderful Andrew Burkle, uh, it feels like everybody has an opinion on on J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of people are kind of torn on J.J. McCarthy because they see some of the physical ability, but they also haven't seen enough of it. Uh, on a consistent basis as it relates to uh, him leading Michigan's offense. Um, you know, obviously he played within the confines of an offense that primarily wanted to run the football. So it, <clears throat> they didn't get to see him in the same way that they had, get to see most of these big time quarterback prospects that come out of the draft. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of intrigue about him in general, just about what, how his, how he will translate to the NFL level if you know he can handle you know a 35 to 45 uh pass attempt game on a consistent basis uh without getting into trouble uh that's the question i mean whether he you know will get into dodgy situations and also his body type i mean a lot of people think he's a little slight you know it doesn't have the you know the uh, overall physical build of like some of these uh, bigger quarterbacks that you see in the uh, NFL level, like you know Josh Allen and such. But I mean, he sure has arm talent and at times incredible accuracy. Um, 
his decision making is a question and uh you know there's not enough evidence in some ways for some people to make you know firm conclusions on him so i think that's why he's such a compelling player and also a polarizing player in this draft it feels like that's why he's the one who feels like he needs to throw here sure right because when we ask junior colson or his teammates or when reporters did a common response was, well, whenever we did need him to make the plays, he did, right? Alabama, for instance, Ohio State, big throws both years, uh, and, and NFL throws, right? Money throws. A lot of times he was, he was, if you remember early in the year, on third and seven or longer, his stats were absurd. Like at one point he was 17 of 18 or something for 300 some yards and four touchdowns, no picks. So, so there is something to be said for that. But third and seven against Bowling Green is very different than playing the the SEC gauntlet. We've we've had this discussion before, right? We've had this conver- conversation before, and I don't know what JJ is going to interview extremely well. He is going to, I mean, I think he's I think he's going to do nothing but help himself in the draft process because he does because. There's no there's there's no defense. There's no opportunity to make that. What kind of question questionable throw is is that? Uh, there are just chances to. I mean, of course, he. There are chances to not look accurate, but we know he is accurate. There are chances to not be fast, but he has been fast, and this is the chance to to show that. And so, it just feels like there is an opportunity for him to 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 rise. Do we want to? Just sort of plant our flag, take a take a little guess here at where he goes. That's fun. We didn't even talk about that. Where do you think JJ goes, Reiner? Which team? I'll, I will allow a, a draft slot or a team. I would prefer both. Uh, I mean, somewhere I think in the uh, maybe eleven to fifteen range. That's that's where I'm. That's where I'm. I'm going to peg him somewhere. You know, like Denver, yeah, maybe the maybe the Broncos. I mean, uh, you know, I could see Sean Payton being somewhat interested in his his skills. Maybe maybe thinking he could be kind of like a Drew Brees type, you know, for his offense. Uh, uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, uh, you know what what teams would be in the market necessarily for him? I mean, I know Daniel Jeremiah had him at with number eight with the Falcons, but I mean, the Falcons could be in the market for. Justin Fields or somebody else like that. So, I mean, there's so much between now and then it's going to shake up and, you know, who knows what, you know, will come out. I mean, there's always that crazy story that ends up happening or, you know, somebody ends up dropping or, you know, there's, I mean, you saw with Will Levis, I guess, last year too. I mean, you just don't know when, you know, what, what could prompt a, a fall of some sort that we just don't know. So, yeah, it's, It'll be interesting to see where, but yeah, I'm, right now I'm pegging somewhere between the 11 and 15 range. I see that as well. There are so many fun. There are so many fun outcomes, right? Like I think Atlanta would be it would be an interesting spot. Just there's a ton there's a ton around him, young running back, tight ends, wide receivers, weapons. But then like, what if you just went the total opposite end of the spectrum? Now I don't know that this franchise would do this. What if you look at like the New York Jets, right? And you get and Aaron Rodgers maybe has one year left. I mean, I think they kind of feel like they need to win now with Rodgers, and I don't know if they're going to use that tenth pick 
uh, like a top 10 capital, like <laughs> they should probably use it to protect him. But if somehow, I don't know their exact dra- like financial situation, but like what if JJ could learn for a little bit under Aaron Rodgers, a yeah, guy who he's not that. totally dissimilar to? I mean, is, is that a horrible? Good, t- is that a horrible? No, it's, a good, it's a good. I mean, it's a good idea, but it's not going to happen because I mean that's what the Packers try to do with Jordan Love, and you know Rodgers is pissed about that, and so but that's a, it's a very different point in his career. It's very well, no, but I mean, like, why would he want to have the same situation play out when, it, again, he's at the tail end of his career, and the, you know, the whole idea was for him to go to this new franchise and win, and like, I, I just don't see him being, you know, the the nice mentor, at, you know, and and just you know shepherding young JJ McCarthy, you know, through the right. trial. But if, but if you want, I, you <laughs> want a coach, like a, a team who, I mean, I mean, their offense has been non-existent, but like a very reliable defense, right? Complimentary football. He wouldn't necessarily have to do it all immediately. I'm just, yeah. I mean, just I mean idea. Again, I'm, I'm not, that's not where I want, might like, be that's right. not where I'm planning it, but it'd be fun. It would be, that'd be interesting. That would be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's look at the rest of the week ahead. Reiner, um, and then we can let the people go on their merry way. So interviews, whoever has interviewed on day X will then perform on the field in day Y, if that makes sense. So today it was linebackers, the defensive linemen. They will undergo the, I mean, I mean the, the 40s and the jumps and the running and, the, and, and all the, the combine actual physical testing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Uh, it is tight ends and defensive backs, Reiner, yes, tomorrow, who we will interview, which means A.J. Barner, Mikey Sainer still, Josh Wallace. Um, and, he th- and, then, and then really that next day is when things get going on Friday. Uh, skill positions interview. Uh, <laughs> we will talk, to, That's we'll talk to J.J., Blake, and Roman right. all in like a like – a, 80 minute period, which is yeah. who everybody wants to hear from. Right. And it's a made for TV event. I mean, that's what the combine has become because they moved all the field drills to the evening. And now you've got the marquee players on Saturday evening and prime time, basically. Uh, um, and that's what they, that's what they want. I mean, that's why, I mean, you have, you know, the, these, you know, maybe less significant position groups as far or less, uh, I wouldn't say significant, but less sexy, I guess, that are, you know, happening at the outset with, uh, that are basically lead-ins to uh, the main event, which, you know, is obviously the quarterbacks, running backs and receivers. And then, you you know, then at the end, you have offensive linemen uh, going. And so, um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, the NFL has done a good job of, you know, having these kind of tentpole events, it seems like every month or some kind of version of it. And, uh, you know, that's that's the whole idea is to kind of keep the NFL uh, at the forefront of everybody's minds month after month. I mean, again, you have free agency and the owners meetings in March and then you have the draft in April and then you have um, rookie mini camp. You know, uh, right after that in May, OTAs, and then in June you have the actual mini camp, and then July is franchise tag, and then you have the the training camp, and then you know preseason, and it goes on, and so it's a it's a full year, and this is what the NFL has done. I mean, the NFL Combine, you know, forty years ago was nothing. I mean, it was like a 
you know, they were very informal, you know, very few reporters covered it or even really knew much about it. Now it's like, uh, it's just, it's a big football convention here. Yeah. Yeah. It has been in Indianapolis since 1987, Reiner. I don't know if you knew. Yeah. I mean, you know, they've had it in New Orleans, I think before that. And, you know, yeah, it was like Indianapolis has become the home of it. They've talked about moving it out of Indianapolis, but I mean, I think the infrastructure is, you know, in place here where they can do all the medical stuff. uh, In addition to having the convention center uh, attached to Lucas oil and, we the hotel capacity to handle everything. And so I think it's... And, and just the Midwest geographically for yeah. when you get the whole NFL together. It's better sure. than putting and it in so, Seattle or something. And so, yeah, they, they know how to run the event. And so it's, it's, it's a big, again, a place where, you know, you've got this intersection between college and the NFL happening, but it's really an NFL-centric event and you have everybody here. Yeah, I say they tell you they know how to run the event. They could use a few more signs. This convention center is bigger than O'Hare. And I mean, and you, you just and, okay, forget. I mean, I guess technically my hotel's not in the convention center. I mean, I'm connecting through all these buildings, going through garages and elevators and up and down. And this is where people are telling me, and we made it. Uh, but it, it shouldn't have taken as, as long as it did. And there, and, and like, there are people who have like, like people, my mother and sister, which is not saying much, like will turn to me for sense of direction, right? Like I don't have a horrible sense of direction. Like it's, it's, and, and I was completely turned around in this convention center. I got, I got, I got to admit. Um, you need a sure bus. Yeah. I, I do. Um, yeah. You were already, you were ahead of me. That's why we need to stay in the, uh, in the same hotel. Um, when one goes down, we all go down. Uh, that's how I, that's how I avoid falling, right? Just find the nearest person. It's like, it's like when you're running away from a bear. You don't yeah. need to be faster than the bear. You just need to be uh, faster than the I next. Trying, well, I was trying to get down here in case Jim Harbaugh talked, but of course he did not. So, uh, which I find quite bizarre considering that he is a new coach and, you know, some of these guys do end up talking to the press and having a, a press conference there. I mean, uh, uh, I think it's a good well, so- on the NFL. Same sport. with Mike McDonald, though, right? Also, I mean, he did, but he didn't show. I mean, that's the difference. Not here. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh is actually on site at at the at the combine. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, in theory, like you would think that every coach and general manager uh, on site would be obligated to talk, but that is not the case. So, if Jim Harbaugh is not obligated to talk, he won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought they'd be obligated to talk just. Period. I thought I thought this was just like an NFL sanctioned event. <laughs> like coaches, GMs, you got to be here. You got to talk. The NFL does have mandates, you know, uh, during the season they have to speak exactly. at times, and so you think at these temple events, like where especially if they're registered, they have a credential, and they're on site, that they would have to be obligated to talk. But that is not the case. Who knows? All right. Well, that'll do it for day one from the combine. Uh, TBD, if there is more podcasts to come, I mean, we'd like to say, yes, certainly we're going to do one tomorrow or Friday, but it's just, there's a lot, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of moving parts and there's not just three or four people down here, right? There are 18, uh, players to keep track of coaches as well. And so we're just going to try to see what we deem to be interesting enough uh, to, to talk about it on this. Of course, you know where to go to get all the actual coverage, uh, all the written coverage, I should say. That's freep.com. 
on our Wolverines page. Uh, I think that's pretty much where we can wrap it. Uh, we need to give our thanks to our editor-in-chief, Nicole Avery Nichols, executive editor, Anjanette Delgado, sports editor, Kirkland Crawford, audio engineer, Robin Chan, editor and producer, Andrew Burkle, and my co-host, Reiner Saban. I'm Tony Garcia. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe, uh, wherever you get hail, yes. We will continue to try and bring this podcast, go, keep this podcast going throughout the offseason. It's not the same as when Michigan's on a national championship run, but there's still tons to talk about. And that's what we will continue to do. So thanks. Have a good day. Talk to you soon.